This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Maryland discussing a murder mystery play that comes to life. Then we'll talk about the alleged panhandler murder. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the free state. Relationships. Am I right? We've all been there. Sometimes these turn into marriage. Some of us just want to Kurt Russell Goldie Hawn this love shit without a piece of paper. Either way, once you've been with your partner a while, certain things will inevitably start to get under your skin. Maybe they breathe too loud or sweat in their sleep. Gross. Or maybe you just start to feel complacent, trapped, suffocated by the monotony that has become your life. Maybe you want out because your partner isn't treating you well, or you just want something more for yourself. No one likes to break up. The discussing of the relationship, the blame game, the uncomfortable dividing of belongings. Oy vey. But when you're married, it's much harder to leave than just words and boxes of clothes, which is why a lot of times people just stay miserable or have affairs or much worse, kill their spouse. Money, guilt, shame, religious beliefs, and most importantly, children can make people feel desperate and drive them to links they would normally never fathom. These people aren't walking around swinging an axe like some monster from a horror film. No, these people are wearing a different mask, one that looks completely normal, but they are far, far from it. This is the mask of a cold-blooded, calculated killer like the one in my story. Kim and Steven Rico met in college in 1984 when they were set up by mutual friends. Stephen fell in love immediately. He was a wallflower where Kim was thrilled to be the center of attention. Classic case of opposites attract. They were married in 1989 and had a baby girl a year later. Stephen took a job as a golf course superintendent and Kim was a surgical tech. They had a pretty good life. Middle class neighborhood, beautiful little girl, the American dream. But that absolutely bored 32-year-old Kim. This wasn't enough, and she started having an affair with a 23-year-old Marine stationed at the Pentagon. Oh, dear. Stephen knew. He knew about this affair, and it broke his heart. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. To do that to someone that you supposedly love, Kim wasn't happy at all. In fact, she made several comments to friends about wanting out, and in 1997, Decides to ask for a divorce. So, again, Stephen knows about the affair and her wanting to end the marriage and is completely devastated. He's still very much in love with his wife, despite her infidelity. And he wants his marriage to work more than anything. He confides in a friend, same one that set him up Mm -hmm. back in college. And his friend suggests a Valentine's weekend getaway at a romantic cabin. A pretty sp- it's like a pretty swanky place. Uh, it's the Harbortown Resort. And they happen to be having a murder mystery dinner on one of the nights that they're there. 
That would be really neat. Yeah. I'd love to do that. That would be super fun. So the guests kind of watch this whodunit and try to figure out Mm -hmm. who the murderer is. Stephen's like, perfect. This is a fun weekend getaway. We can rekindle the flame of our marriage. Kind of a last-ditch effort Mm -hmm. to make her fall back in love with him. Mm -hmm. So they go. They check in, go to dinner, watch the play, which was ironically about a bride who poisons her groom during their reception. So the play is called The Bride Who Cried. Oh, gosh. I know. could have picked a better name. Right? So after dinner, they go back to the hotel room. They get into a fight because Stephen's trying to consummate the evening with his wife and the big fat cheater that she was. She wanted no part of it. So she decides to leave and head to a friend's house that was a couple hours away. Wow. Which makes no sense, but... So, along the way, she gets lost, and it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and she's like, I don't want to call him and wake him up. I so, forget it's 97. Yes, not my, 97. My face, I was like, how do you get lost? Oh, yeah, yeah you could get so, lost easily. But she's, you know, there's still cell phones. But anyways, she decides to turn around and go back to the cabin. Sure. So, when she arrives, she finds her room in flames. So, Kim goes to the front desk and tells them that her room is on fire. She's totally calm. Like, they almost didn't believe her at first because she's like, uh, my room's on fire. When she just arrived? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she calls 911. The people from the uh, hotel rush in the room and find Stephen completely (gasps) charred from the waist up. So he's laying in between the two beds on the floor and it's visibly, he's dead. Oh my God. Like, there's no way. I mean, he's. So the fire started in that room. Yes. Okay. Police arrive and instantly think, okay, something's amiss. She's being very dramatic, crying, acting super upset. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. It's really a damned if you do and damned if you don't. A hundred percent. Because if you act crazy crying, they're like, oh, you're too much. But if you're not, then it's like, why are you not upset? That's a hundred percent the truth. There's no... There's no... (laughs) And There's no appropriate way to act either. No. I mean, yeah. and how I may act is completely different than the mm-hmm. way you might act. So, anyways. So, it appears to be an accident. He's had too much to drink, lit a cigar, passed out, and the cigar started the fire. Okay. That's what it appears. He's also naked from the waist down. And the waist were, down? Yeah. And there were Playboy magazines open. And there was an open package of cigars and one missing. What? She said he liked to smoke when he drank sometimes, but later on when their friends and family are interviewed, they were like, hell no, he didn't. He hated the smell of cigarettes <gasps> and cigars. There's no way oh, okay. that he would have smoked. But So this isn't adding up. Yeah. So a dog trained to sniff out accelerants is brought in and sits down where Stephen's body was found. So this is suggesting arson. She's very adamant that she wants his body cremated. But other than that, she lets his family take care of everything, which was odd because she was so insistent on the cremation, but didn't give a shit about a song, a flower, or anything else. There needs to be a waiting period. I don't know. Maybe not. I would. Seems weird. No, I but you got to do what you got to do. But 
Under suspicious circumstances, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, if it's a murder investigation, there should be... I'm not saying they shouldn't be allowed to be cremated. Or even but like an arson. Yeah. Don't or, rush to... Or, I don't know. Right. Just, it's a... Yeah, we need to get Zach's input on yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a sticky situation that right. I don't know anything about. But that just seems... Right. So many people rush to get their significant others cremated. And, and I get why some... Like, my dad, when he passed away... I wanted him cremated. Mm-hmm. There was no rush, but that's something yeah. that he wanted. Well, yeah. So it was like, yeah. And plenty of people is, want that. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it may be that people just are upset and want right. to rip the Band-Aid off, mm-hmm. so to speak. But then. I guess just when it's suspicious, their death right. is suspicious. I don't know. But I would. I agree with it's you. It's hard to judge. So at the funeral, she shows little to no emotion. Which people found odd. But again, kind of the devil's advocate. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't cry at my dad's funeral. I just was numb and what, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It, yeah, I don't like crying in front of people. So I. Oh, I'll boohoo and fall in a million pieces. I don't care. But I just was almost in a state of shock. Like, yeah. I can't believe oh, this yeah. is. So I, I didn't cry and I didn't fall to pieces in the floor. It yeah, wasn't that I did anything. You know what yeah. I mean? So. Kind of the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. there's no right or wrong way to. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So, police start investigating immediately. They question Kim, who says, again, he'd been drinking heavily that night, and she thinks he must have passed out and dropped his cigar and died of smoke inhalation. The medical examiner found no alcohol in Stephen's blood, and their bar tab for the night was $5.50. Oh, okay. Girl, not even six tens drinks are that cheap. Ninety seven. It's true, but still, to get hammered and, anyways. So they question their. That sounds like one drink or two really cheap beers. Well, I mean, if you're at a dinner party, you probably got like a ticket for like two oh, drinks. Oh, that's true. Yeah, possibly. But, but you're not gonna. They tested him so. But that's at dinner. This mm-hmm. is like a one. You know what exactly, I'm saying? Yeah. There's anyways. It's suspect. So they questioned the friends and family next, who said Stephen was a quiet guy who was deeply in love with his wife, even though their marriage had been falling apart for a while. They had been seeing a marriage counselor. They also told the investigators that Kim was leaving their marriage. She talked about it all the time, almost obsessively. She even approached a co-worker and offered him $50,000 to murder her husband. A co-worker? What? Okay. If you're going to kill your husband, stop telling people. <laughs> stop talking about it. It doesn't matter. Somebody's going to tell. Yeah, killers aren't known for their their good thinking. No. That's and she's telling multiple a people. A co-worker? Oh, my god. Yeah, gosh. a co-worker. You know, she worked at the hospital. Like, hey, will you kill my husband for oh. 50 grand? What? Ugh. <sighs> She stood to inherit $450,000 in life insurance. So weeks before his death, she had also told a coworker that she had a plan to get rid of him. As a surgical tech, she had access to muscle relaxers used to paralyze patients during surgery. Typically, doctors use this drug mm-hmm. to administer breathing tubes and relax patients' muscles. It basically paralyzes the diaphragm and stops their breathing. 
and will produce fatal brain damage within four minutes if the subject doesn't receive help. So the doctor will administer it, insert the breathing tube, give them something else, bring them out of it. Like it's a very... That's terrifying. Like it, it's done under a doctor's super and anesthesiologist supervision extremely. So it works in seconds, wears off in minutes, and cannot be traced. The drug is processed rapidly by the body and is undetectable in a matter of minutes. Jeez. Do you know what this made me think of? That movie, What Lies Beneath. I haven't seen that in so long. You know, it's Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer, and he injects her with that paralytic and puts her in the bathtub. Mm -hmm. Insane. So then next, she says she's going to set the curtains on fire with a candle or a cigar. She's telling her coworker this. I don't even tell my coworkers what I do on the damn weekends. And this woman is like, I know how I'm going to kill my husband. Oh, my god! Stop talking. Stop talking. Shut up. Like, <laughs> don't. So, Kim is arrested. Uh, well, yeah. And charged with first-degree murder. Her entire office is like, listen, she's... Was the, offered $25. The, she went to another wing in the hospital. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, the whole staff knows. So, uh, prosecutors would go on to say that Kim seduced him, then injected him with a dose of and I'm going to mispronounce this. I don't know. It's like sussing. I don't know. Spell it. Is it really long? S-U-C-C-I-N-L-C-H-O-L-I-N-E. Good enough for me. Thanks. Y'all can look it up. <laughs> hmm. So she injected him with a dose of that when he was distracted, which took about a minute to paralyze him. So this is a paralytic. Mm-hmm. This is not a sedative. Which means he is oh, conscious. No, 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 no. That's mm, one of my irrational fears. So this would shut down all the muscles, which means no breathing. Yeah. But you can still feel pain. Yeah. Your brain's still working. Yeah. But you cannot move. I mean, can you imagine the panic that you would feel? Your diaphragm's paralyzed. You can't, you cannot take a breath. Ugh. It's fucking terrifying. Then she doused him with some type of lighter fluid and set him on fire while he was still alive. How cruel do you have to be? Right. That is, and she's a surgical tech. She knows Uh he can feel the pain. Uh Uh So autopsy would reveal no needle marks, but he was charred to a fucking crisp. There's not like they could trace, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Is it something you could put in a drink or it doesn't have to be injected? Injected. Okay. There was no alcohol or drugs of any type in his blood. There was no soot or carbon monoxide in his lungs either. But again, there wouldn't be because once that paralytic drug was injected, the lungs stop. So he's basically suffocating. Well, that's even more proof, I think, because he's not breathing in the soot, which makes no sense. Like as he's getting... There's no right. smoke in his lungs? Nothing. In a room that was set on fire. Exactly. Yeah. He was on fire. Oh, my gosh. There were also no burns to his trachea or lungs, so he didn't take any breaths to... I, I can't... That I mean. is... Because usually, I don't know what the stats are, but you pass out from the smoke Uh-huh. First. But you're still breathing. Yeah. That's right. why you pass out, because you're right. breathing in the... 
inflamed. So and the carbon monoxide. It's all bad, but that's even maybe worse because he he doesn't pass out. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh! Mm-hmm. Ugh. So the that's aut- a very it's bad. bad way to go. It's terrible. That's, oh my gosh! So the He's autopsy terrible. also ruled out a heart attack, any other medical right. conditions, and pesticides he may have inhaled through mm-hmm. his job before the fire. Lord. Her attorney suggested that Stephen was suicidal because their marriage was falling to pieces and maybe he killed himself. Okay. Really? Stop. How? How did you kill your, how did you set yourself on fire? Mm-mm. It, that's, that's, that's a reach. Yeah. No, no, no. So the jury took three hours approximately to convict her to life plus 30 years for murder and arson to be served consecutively. To this, fast. to this day, she's never admitted guilt. Oh, my gosh. She swears she didn't do it. Is she on an episode of Snapped? Probably. There's she like is on an episode of Snapped. Yeah. And I watched uh, Deadly Women, season three. Oh, my Episode gosh. four called Behind the Mask. That's early, isn't it? How many mm-hmm. seasons? There's a bunch. Oh, my God. There's like 20 seasons. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it was super early. Acting is terrible. Oh, yeah. But the reenactments on yeah. there are just but good bad. episode. Oh, uh, and there's also a book called "An Act of Murder." Oh my god! By uh, Linda Rosencrantz that you could check out. But that's where I got Gosh. my infros. That crazy? Uh, yeah, that's paralyzed. Can't breathe. Can't move. And she had so her daughter right now would be turning 32 this year. You're so smart and fast with math. I'm not fast with math. I just was born a year before her. Oh. <laughs> you should have just kept your mouth shut and been yes, like, I know. I'm great at math. Oh, so great. But. Mathlete. Gosh. She was nine when this happened. That's so bad. I, want, I wonder if she sees her mom in prison. Mm-hmm. Would you want to? It, the way she killed him, it's just like, is she, did she have any empathy at all? You can't. That's just so messed up. Ugh, it's. I mean, it's, of course, if you're killing someone, that's messed up. But. That's just torture. Ugh. You set him on fire while he was still alive. Just, just if she, even if she wouldn't have set him on fire, the fact that you oh, gave yeah. him that, he still would have died. Mm-hmm. A horrible, horrible, terrifying death. I know we don't know, but why take his pants off just to try to set a motive? I think motive? to kind of stage it like. Oh, he was looking at dirty books because he was drunk and he was and a cigar very in his hand. Yeah, and, and he was masturbating at the same time with the other hand. Like what? It that's humiliating. You know, I yeah, mean, that's just is. like adding insult to yeah, injury. It really why, is. why do that? Fuck! If you're gonna kill somebody, I guess it doesn't matter if you pull their pants down. You don't care. Yeah, but still, it's just it's just awful. It's another way to show that she didn't care. It had no respect for him. No respect. Yeah, total. Ugh. I don't watch Deadly Women that often. Oh God, I, I like it. it, but there's too many episodes of killing kids. Uh, well, you know what y- I mean. Yeah, I, they do tell you the theme beforehand, but you know, I'm not. But sometimes the theme is deceptive. Like, yeah, this you one won't know. was behind the mask, and I'm like, I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah, you never know for sure. But I'm like, they get very creative with their. What's yours about? Did somebody get set on fire? Why do I always pick cases where somebody set on fire? This oh is like the thirtieth case where I'm like, and then that they set catches. them on fire. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, so in 2018, the Panhandler murder made the national news. Do you recall this case? Not at all. I didn't hear about it either, but there was a lot going on that year. First, let me tell you about Jacqueline Smith. 
No, not the actress, Jacqueline Smith. I was like, is this the clothing <laughs> no, designer no, no. from Not K-Mart? the one from Charlie's Angels. <laughs> but she looks great, by the way. Uh, She's she in her always 70s. Has. Oh, my yes. gosh. Anyway, Jacqueline was a resident of Hollywoods in Aberdeen, Maryland. She was a mom to two sons, but she was also an electrical engineer and worked at the Aberdeen Proving Ground, which belongs to the U.S. Army. Holy shit. Yeah. She was known as a kind and good-hearted person, and she liked to write poetry in her spare time. I just find it fascinating that people just write poetry in their spare time. I did when I was in college. Are you kidding? Oh, yeah. I love writing sonnets and all kinds of... And You fucking I, nerd. I, <laughs> I, I loved mean, I it. I that. <laughs> oh, gonna, it's, I, can, you, can you read this one? I don't know where it is. I used Lies. to write it in my notebook. I promise I don't. About what? Uh, just, it's, I don't About know. your boyfriend? Uh, no, I've blocked it all out of my memory. Oh, God, she's embarrassed now. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Okay, <laughs> back to this. I can't even look at you. My brother found it and probably sold it on eBay. I'm dead. My sister's embarrassing stuff. <laughs> okay, so on December 1st, 2018, Jacqueline Smith was with her husband, Keith, and stepdaughter, Valeria. It's a hard name to say. Valeria. So Keith and his stepdaughter, Valeria. So they went out to an American Legion hall in Baltimore to celebrate Valeria's 28th birthday. On their drive home around 1230 a.m., they saw a woman standing by the road in the Johnston Square neighborhood who looked like she was in her early 20s. She was holding a sign that said, please help me feed my baby. Oh, God. And she was holding what looked like a baby in her arms, Mm-mm. you know, wrapped in a blanket. Mm-hmm. It was a cold, rainy night in Baltimore. Jacqueline had a big heart, so she rolled down her window. She was in the passenger seat. Keith was driving. She handed the female $10. Then a man approached the car and said he wanted to thank her for helping out. He looked like he was in his 30s. He was around six feet tall and had a goatee. He leaned in grabbed her necklace, and then tried to take her wallet from her. So Jacqueline and the man struggled, but then he stabbed her, (gasps) and the woman fled the scene, then the man did. Keith wasn't so sure she was actually even holding a baby. He thought maybe it was a stuffed animal as a ruse. So at first he tried to chase after the panhandlers, but he couldn't catch up to them. So then he called 911, and they told him to drive her to Johns Hopkins Hospital. So she had been stabbed five times in the chest and was pronounced dead once she arrived at the hospital. Oh, my God. Yeah. She bled out almost instantly. Oh, this is horrible. So Valeria was in the vehicle in the back, so she vouched for the entire story. So while the police tried to find the suspects, during a press conference, Police Commissioner Gary Tuggle said this. They're using this ruse as panhandlers to get the attention of their would-be victims. We also want to caution the public about engaging with panhandlers in recognizing the fact not all of them have honest intent. Not all of them are in real need. So after Jacqueline's death, Keith was so upset over the entire ordeal, he tried to get panhandling completely banned in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. So he would often speak publicly about this. I saw some clips. He was sobbing the whole time. He had his daughter beside him. This was at the end of Baltimore's fourth straight year of more than 300 homicides. And people were already upset about the panhandlers in the city. So, of course, this prompted public outrage. So, like I said, this went national and even Oprah made a statement about Jacqueline's murder. She tweeted that Jacqueline's death really struck her heart. 
and that she'd given to homeless people at least a thousand times but would reconsider ever doing it again. So the Baltimore Sun released an editorial reminding readers to avoid stigmatizing panhandlers. Homeless people and panhandlers are often assumed to be violent, but the truth is, they're actually more likely to be the victims of violence than the perpetrators. Similar with mental illness. So something odd about the area where Jacqueline was murdered was no one had ever seen or heard of a panhandler ever being there before. Yeah, they usually, you, I mean, in Little Rock, you know where they're right. the yeah, spots. Right, yeah, that's that what they're... I was thinking. It, this area was kind of a neighborhood. I saw pictures of it. It was not busy at all, especially at night. And like, I can't speak for all of Baltimore, but yeah, Little Rock mm-hmm. has its fair share of panhandlers. They usually stick to touristy parts like the river market where mm-hmm. there's a lot of foot traffic. Mm-hmm. Or they're near an inter- intersection, near an like interstate, where there's a lot yeah. of cars passing. I mean, it makes sense. The more cars that pass, the more money they're likely to receive. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it's just kind of like, why, why, would, they, yeah. why would they be there with their sign? But So anyway, the public was quick to latch on to, and believe Keith's story because they were so outraged. But Jacqueline's family, on the other hand, thought the entire thing was suspicious. Her mother, Anna, said that she thought it sounded phony that Keith would just stay in the area with her car after the man pulled on her necklace. He could have just slammed on the gas and driven away. Well, I was thinking it. Yeah. And her brother, Marcel, also said he had a gut feeling that Keith was making up the story. Because she had been stabbed five times. He first grabbed her necklace, then was going in for her wallet in the window. I mean, you got to be quick. Yeah. that's He would have had to be. And five times? That's a, yeah. And that's almost overkill for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. But again, you know, you never know what you're going to do. Maybe the car was off. Maybe he was panicking. Maybe he was trying to, you know, who knows. In early February, after no luck of finding the panhandlers, the police called Keith back in for further questioning. Immediately after they interviewed him, he got a rental truck and drove to Winter Haven, Florida, where he requested to be relocated by his job. He moved first, then asked his job to... Wait, what? Yeah, very odd. So once he got there, he signed a year-long lease. And people believe that his daughter, Valeria, moved with him. So to the police and Jacqueline's family, they're like, no, this is this is weird behavior. So the police wiretapped Keith and Valeria's phone. In March of 2019, Keith rented a car, got another rental, and drove it south through Texas, and it looked like he was heading toward the Mexican border. The police believed that he was fleeing the country, so they issued an alert for the Toyota Camry in Texas. Hey, nobody drives to Mexico. He did. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he wasn't, why don't you? I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. Get on a plane, sir. So, okay, well, we'll get to that. So, Keith was pulled over by the Texas State Police near the border. He was just 20 minutes away from the border in his vehicle. See, that's some shit that would happen to me. Be, <laughs> that, be that close and then, oof. And his daughter was with him. So, the Baltimore police put out warrants for their arrest, and they ended up charging them both with first-degree murder. On what grounds? I'll get to that. It was kind of confusing going back and forth because the police didn't release any of this until after they were arrested. Okay. So the timeline was unclear, so I'm just going to tell you the why after. So Baltimore residents were, of course, shocked and outraged that Keith and Valeria did this, and they tried to pin it on panhandlers. So the goal, right? I'm completely bamboozled right now. Right? I'm just... The whole city of Baltimore was. They were just... Anyway, the citizens and officials said that they have created widespread hysteria about Baltimore's violence and threats posed by the homeless. 
The next day, they appeared in court and were arraigned on the charge in Jacqueline's death. So, they're arrested. I'm real mad right now. Yeah. So, I was like, these panhandlers. Because I have been well, stopped by panhandlers before on the corners. Mm-hmm. And then get nasty with me or get rude or aggressive. You know what I mean? Or aggressive. Yeah, they so, really fed on people's fears. in Because everyone that does that, you have a little bit of fear. Like, oh, are they going to? It's just, that's just the truth. And then. Everyone's like, oh my gosh. And then it, the numbers decreased in people giving money and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff because people were terrified. Sure. So it's like, it was hysteria. It was hysteria. So one of Keith's friends during the investigation before he fled to Mexico went to the police and told them that Keith had his own brother. He'd asked his own brother for assistance in murdering Jacqueline. See? They talk. Stop talking. No, keep talking. Well, true. Murder, Keep murderers aren't listening to Keep this. Talking. But stop yeah, talking. they're not known for their their. I don't know. Ugh. So he actually asked if he could help him quote get rid of Jacqueline. He didn't mm-hmm. say, "Will you kill her?" He said, "Help me get rid of her." It's that same damn thing. Yeah, it's like his brother interpreted that as murder. I mean, well, yeah. how else do you? So Keith's brother told police that they were having marriage problems, and Jacqueline <sighs> was talking divorce. They'd only been married five years. I don't know what the problems were in the marriage. It didn't really elaborate on that. So the day after Keith's brother was subpoenaed to testify in front of a grand jury, that's when he fled to Mexico. Mm-hmm. His brother warned him, which is just, it's like you're going to tattle on him. But then help him get but away. But then help him. No. Pick a, pick a lane. Mm-mm. So he knew they were on to him at that point. Before he tried for Mexico, he tried to flee to Cuba and to Canada. But guess what? He didn't own a passport. He really, to me, that shows that he wasn't planning this out super long term. I mean, he obviously was planning it, but you don't have a passport. Okay, but sir, don't you need a passport to drive into Mexico? Yes. I mean, he wasn't thinking very much because you don't have to have a passport for a cruise ship. That's true. He didn't. Well, so he Googled. They looked, searched his computer. He Googled if a passport was needed to go to Jamaica and if there was a way to cross into the Mexico, if there was a way to cross into Mexico without going through the border. So obviously he thought he knew how to get into Mexico without going through officials. Would this not be like plan B? Would you not have thought this out before you murdered somebody? It's just a mess. I'm like, oh my gosh. Also, in one interview early on, told detectives Jacqueline gave the woman $10, but instead the man, you know, grabbed her necklace and stabbed her. Three days later, he told the police Jacqueline was stabbed by the man while the woman was grabbing for her belongings. So he was just overall telling different stories days apart. The detectives traced good old cell phone pings from Keith's cell. This is 2018. We have all the things. And learned that on the way home... On the way home from American Legion to where they were going, there was 15 minutes that didn't add up. Mm. And he was stopped in Druid Hill Park for 15 minutes. So they confronted him about this, and he said he got lost but didn't want to admit it. So now we're in 2018 where it's like, okay, you have a smartphone. You're with someone else who knows has a smartphone, I'm sure, and you can't find out how to – you have no – you know – Okay, it's Baltimore. It's not like they're in the country. Also, have you ever been lost with your husband? I would spend fifteen minutes arguing. No, we just that Google we were Maps lost. it. 
Google Maps it. We're lost. No, we're not. I know where we're going. But it's like, no, he was stopped yeah, there doing something. There was something That's going probably, on. Yeah. They recovered footage from 27 surveillance cameras that were in the area and that they claimed to be never saw the car that night where supposedly the stabbing occurred. So 10 days after Jacqueline's murder charges were made on her visa, they traced the purchases and found that three boys were using it. They said they found the card in a purse at an East Baltimore bus stop. What? So they were actually ruled out as suspects. They believed that they really did find this purse. Well, remember they had signals on Keith's phone. So his phone put him at that bus station. So he did toss it out. (sighs) I hate this guy. Oh, yeah. So on March 19th, Keith and Valeria Smith were returned to Maryland and both were denied bail. In early June, officials dropped murder charges against Valeria but did charge her as an accessory. In early December of 2021, so just last month, Keith Smith went on trial for murder. The prosecutor told jurors that police started to suspect Smith in the first place because his story just didn't hold up and there were a lot of inconsistencies. Valeria ended up testifying against her dad, which of course majorly helped prosecution, and she said that Jacqueline fell asleep during their car ride. There was no panhandler situation at all. She fell asleep in the car, Keith pulled over, stabbed her five times, looked at his daughter, told her the story she was supposed to say, you better back me up, and then he got her to ditch her stepmother's purse. Oh my That's God. her story. We don't know. If, I mean, she you think, could have been involved. Do you I, think she knew before that this was going to happen, the, the daughter? I I want to say no, but to be honest, I, I don't know enough either way. Because of course she's going to say I wasn't involved, you know? So I don't know. I think she's, she deserved to be, a you know, an accessory because they were both crying on national television, oh wanting to ban God. panhandling. He, why do all that? It's just... Can you imagine just falling asleep in the car with your husband <sighs> and then him just stabbing you? And five times. And then if she, did, if the daughter really didn't know what was going on, she, she was in the frantic. back seat. Yeah. I would have been thinking he was going to get me next. I think I would have gotten out of yeah, the car. I would have ran. Yeah, you're exactly right. I would I'd be like, thing. oh my God, he's going to kill me. If she didn't know, I, I don't know. And called the police. and uh, part, So yeah. part of me is a little yeah. suspicious about her, but there's no proof that she but knew. It's crazy to me that, that mm. yeah, if your dad came and was like, look, your stepmom and me aren't getting along. She wants a divorce. I'm going to stab her to death. You, you I, good with that? Yeah. I mean, oh my God. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he had it planned out long in advance or if it was like they and were driving yeah. back and he's like, you know what? This would be a good opportunity if so, he just yeah. I don't know. Did they find a murder weapon? No, they still not found any murder weapon. So see, he would have had to have had a knife mm-hmm. with him. Yeah, luckily there was so much evidence of you know them not being in the area. Then the daughter testifying against him that you know he still got convicted without the murder weapon. So he's fifty five years old now. He faces a maximum sentence of life in prison plus three years at his sentencing on February twenty eighth of next month. So we still don't know if it's life or what, but yeah. So according to the Baltimore Sun, Baltimore's longstanding reputation for violence played into this case. Mayor Catherine Pugh said the suspects used issues of homelessness, crime, and poverty that have long plagued the city to stage her death as a good Samaritan killing. Just terrible. So the lie affected more than just the city's public relation efforts. So 
Yeah, like I said, panhandlers in Baltimore told The Sun they heard the click of door locks and saw a large drop in donations the days after the killing. Mm-mm-mm. Blaming a murder on an already vulnerable and often stereotyped group of people is reprehensible, said Kevin Lindemood, president and CEO of Healthcare for the Homeless. This claim was made, and then suddenly there was outright fear of vulnerable people on the street. You turned on any news station, and you heard people talking about this story in a very sensationalized way. He also tweeted, I remember vividly the public hysteria over over the public begging that followed this story last year. If there was half as much public outrage over poverty itself, we could end homelessness together. In 2019, we should hardly be surprised when fear and stereotype are used to cover up a crime. May it give us collective foresight to avoid reactivity and a rush to blame the other. Which is some good advice. So after police said the story was a hoax, Annie Milley, the executive director of Live Baltimore, tweeted to Oprah, Please issue an apology to Baltimore. This deserves outrage beyond the negative attention it put on our city. Please use your platform to unpack the real reason so many people were so quick to jump on Baltimore. Mm-mm. I don't think she responded. So, you know, I love Medium while I was reading a good article by Anne Marble, and she was discussing about how you would think all these major news outlets would have set the record straight on this, but not quite. I'll link up her article because I don't want to call out all of these magazines and news outlets (laughs) by name on here. So many never updated their original stories with a link to the updates. Like they would be the Good Samaritan slayed by panhandlers in Baltimore, you know. The end. But because normally when you're reading an article, it'll tell you at the bottom, this story has been, or they'll tell you at the top of it. Mm -hmm. They'll give you a link to a more recent one. And these are news channels that do stuff like this. So Mm -hmm. I don't know why they didn't. And I kept finding articles that were still saying it was a Good Samaritan murder. So the half the stuff I was still finding were things saying, oh, panhandlers killed this lady. I'm like. It's just wild. Um, NPR did cover the arrests and updates, so good for them, I guess. So Jacqueline's brother, Marcel, described his sister as a well-educated and fun person. She was proud of her sons. He said she had a son at the University of Maryland prior to this happening and one who graduated from Cheney College in Pennsylvania, who's now on the Coast Guard. He also thinks about her every day and every time a song comes on. He said, quote, music in my life will never be the same because that's what we did. We enjoyed listening to music. When I'm in my car and I listen to music now, I shed a tear. Aww. Yeah, I got most of my info from Medium, Baltimore Sun. I even paid a subscription because I had to go through so many articles and they were all really good. So, I, you know, and ABC too, which is local news. To my knowledge, there are no podcasts covering this case yet, which surprised me. But it, it's, it's a newer new, case. Yeah. But I haven't been in over five years, but I love Baltimore. I had... Had great food. Had fun in a karaoke bar. <laughs> um, I was approached by panhandlers there, but I mean, I feel like that's every bigger city. And I hate to admit it, but living in Little Rock, we see them a lot and it kind of jades you a little bit. It does. I forget that sometimes, but I mean, I know a lot of them do suffer from mental illness as well. And it's it's easy to look the other way or look down at your phone or whatever. Then there's the debate on should you give a panhandler money or not? Is it more harm than good? What would Jesus do? Like, <laughs> Well, it's definitely a personal choice and I'm not telling anyone what to do. But I think a good happy medium is to donate to a local homeless shelter or organization. Because that way you know it's going to the right people, hopefully. And 
You know what? I mean, here's the thing. This is the way I look at it. If you're going to give money from your heart because somebody is asking you for it, it shouldn't make a shit what they do with it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I need, they may lie and be like, I need three bucks to stay in a homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. They really may need three bucks to go buy them a pack of cigarettes. Who gives a shit? That's their joy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hate that when people are like, I'm going to give this to them and then they're just going to go blow it on this. Well, then don't give it to them. You can't give somebody something yeah. and then put stipulations on how they spend it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Does sound like I'm being an asshole? I'm not no, trying to be. No, I but agree with that. if I give somebody money, like, you know, a panhandler, here, take it. Do it. Do whatever you I never have cash, so there's no danger well, in that. Thing. Yeah, I'm especially like, I'm not- no. I mean, like I never have cash, but if I do and happen to, I don't. I don't care. Just here, take it. Do whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to see you walking around with crystal meth. But <laughs> God, do <laughs> yeah. each their own. Whatever. None of yeah. my business. Yeah, I mean, no. But I no, I get that. what you say. Like I, I would prefer them to use it to. Well, of course, we all we're like, okay, I'm. Let's help this person. Right. Or, but you're grown. But do, yeah, yeah. Do what you want to do. Whatever feels best for you. Just be do what you feel safe. No, I'm not trying to make. I have had situations because I walk a lot in mm-hmm. Little Rock, mm-hmm. and I'm by myself a lot. And I'll have people approach me, which I hate. I don't care if they're homeless. Yeah, whatever. I don't like being approached. Not trying to sound, you know, but I don't like being approached by any man when I'm by myself. That makes me feel I don't be approached by anybody. Because if I'm just walking down the street, why are you coming to me? I don't know you. If I don't know you, you're not my coming friend. Coming at me. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. Yeah, not like we're just walking side by side, but right. like someone like beelining my direction. That happens sometimes and they'll ask me and sometimes it's hard to tell sometimes if it's mental illness or if it's drug use, but regardless, I'm... I don't like being alone in those situations, so I'll try to, you know, and I don't want to look down for a few seconds to go through my purse mm-hmm. because I just don't no, get it. I'm not trying. I guess it that is stigmatizing, but I'm just trying to be safe for myself. But when it's easier when you're with people, but no, I totally but get I'm it. Like, don't come to me. Don't talk to me when I'm by myself. I don't want to pepper spray you. Just keep your distance. <laughs> I need like a thing with no strangers approach me. I like people. I don't like strangers. Nope. I don't like anybody. So. Oh. <laughs> Just saying. So. I like my kid. Yeah. You have a good kid. Thanks. Where are we next week? Montana. Montana. We actually figured out what we were going to do for this a few weeks ago. We have. And you know, I was looking and doing some research already and there are 4,000 million hundred podcasts about this. Oh, no. Yeah. So we may have to circle back around. Put a pin in that. Okay. We won't we'll talk about it off the air. Okay. Sounds good to me. So yeah. we're going to be in Montana. Montana. Which Stay is tuned. The we don't know what we're doing. treasure state. I remember that one. We'll figure out what we're doing. But um, in the meantime, gosh, we're watching Scream 4 tonight mm-hmm. after we record. I've never seen that ever. Well... I know we've been on feelings. a we've been on a screen. Yeah, marathon. we've been getting through it. We watched two in one night last week. We was before that we did one, well, yeah, two and, and three. We're watching Scream Five or not Scream Five, Scream, but the new one tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah, dun 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 dun. dun. This will come out after we've already seen it. But this is true. We'll have to update. I'll them. I'll ask a poll if if you know I love my polls. You, yes, you do. You do love. <laughs> Love your poll. Oh, that reminds me. Real quick while we're on air. So true crap. 
for the true cat crime lawyer, which we did an episode with in Washington or Oregon, Oregon, because it was Diane Downs. So um, I did a poll just joking around. Do you have a bro friend that is single and wants to give Ashley their number? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Thanks so much for that. <laughs> I, I love the people saying, no, get on hinge. Two people said, yes, come be my sister-in-law. <laughs> So, but um, true crime cat lawyer, let's, they messaged us. I love it. That was really a joke, and said, y'all. It was a joke. It was but a I joke. put a post that said that. But it's, it was a joke. It's quite funny. When I saw it, I did laugh. She still said, um, yes, can be my sister-in-law. But she messaged us saying, I don't, but I support the sediment and put a bunch of hearts. <laughs> which cracked me Fair up. Enough. We got a Fair lot enough. of laugh emojis from that. I think they knew that was a joke. But, um Oh, oh, man. I asked a poll, too, about Ashley's cursing. Listen. Look, we're nine, 96% say that you don't cuss too much and that they love the sass. Thanks. 4% said, yes, get her a Bible. But the 4% is just one person. Okay. And that's not my mom, which good for her. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry, mom. She listens and she doesn't like cussing. Well, okay. So oh, we, no. we did get a review that said... She it was, a, it was it was a, a nice, nice review. review. It was a nice review. It was a nice review that said there was a lot of swearing, which I do swear because I am forty one and grown, and sometimes I get passionate about things. It's the Italian in me. It's the Russian in me. I talk with my hands all the time. I threaten to flip tables over. I use lots of cuss words. As if Teresa Judice had a bus. Teresa, <laughs> Teresa Judice in the South with a with a Russian flair. I'm just saying. I'm a very yeah. passionate person. It's not meant to be nasty. Right. Or derogatory towards anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just a little razzle-dazzle <laughs> that I throw into conversations Makes me feel better. You feel like at a point across when I drop an F-bomb. Yeah, I get it. I mean, so the thing I, I appreciate, though, is you talk on this podcast right now like you talk in real life. A hundred You're not putting on a fake There's, persona yes. and polishing up your speech. No. People can do that, and that's great. I know people in the news have to do that. You have to do that. But you're being – I could bleep you. Every time you do it or edit it out. But I feel like that would take away some of the authenticity. Authenticity. How did you write sonnets but you can't pronounce authenticity? Authenticity. (laughs) Say authenticity five times. Authenticity. Authenticity. But you know what I mean. It's me. Some people do not like cussing. And I get it. I know people that really don't like it. Okay, but here's also the thing. We literally talk about people getting their titties chopped off. And putting their penises inside. And then duct taping over it. Or people being sodomized with baseball bats. Or, case in point, setting their husbands on fire. So if that does not offend you, but me saying motherfucker does, I don't know. I'm not here to judge you. Just saying. I do not feel attacked. I will take it into consideration. (laughs) I'll start using fracking. No. Yeah, that, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And I don't think you – I don't want you to change how you talk. Well, good, because I'm not. I know. I assume <laughs> I assume such. She's like, don't quit. <laughs> no, it is the, me and the people that I know Yeah, and that are my friends or family. They're like, that's just you. It's mm-hmm. that's You've always been that way. Yeah. And it's – yeah, there's F-bombs. I do not talk like this around my child. My child does not listen to this podcast. He doesn't podcast. listen to true crime podcasts. No, he does not. So, he, I mean, I'm not, I know people have kids running around, but it's like, 
If we they also hear give an, you a warning. If they hear an F bomb, that's way better than hearing the other stuff the podcast is Titties being chopped off. I mean just saying. We talk about dark exp- I mean, we're explicit. We talk about nasty, horrible things. But you know, I appreciate the honesty. Thank you for your feedback. No harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. We, we love we it. it. Thank you. And, and this is the thing with you too, is some episodes I'm like, when I'm editing, wow, she didn't cuss at all, <laughs> which is rare. <laughs> but like the last she episode. She been in a good mood But today. no, but you've, you've I'm not going to get into it. You've had a couple of stressful months. Thank you've gone you. through a lot. Okay. So I mean. No, for real. You had... I'm like, what happened, Lacey? Shit. <laughs> the listeners are like, what's going on? I don't know either. What? That's just my normal life. <laughs> yeah. You just had a couple of stressful months, so you're going to use more F-bombs. That's just life. That's, that's just the way, way Lacey... That's the way Lacey excuses my bad language. She's like, she's going through she's some going shit. Through. <laughs> she's going through it. <laughs> Bless her heart. Let's I, I leave went to her Disney be. World. That was stressful. Christmas. I turned forty-one. Thanksgiving. All the things. Yeah. So I mean, you know. You know what? Fuck it. We're in Montana. <laughs> oh We're in Montana God. next week. We're done. Let's go watch Scream. Let's go watch Scream. I have chili in the crock pot. Boom. All right. Bye. Bye.